This is how I know Tucker Carlson is a bad parent Cause as a parent you instill in your child Morals and integrity And a Tucker Carlson done it His children would have killed him And that's how I know his parenting has failed If I'm the curse you win this This episode of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors at Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is a PR collective that values people over profit. They put a different spin on public relations by working primarily with friends and using all profits to aid charitable organizations. With a roster that includes Jawbox, The New Amsterdam's, Brainiac, Get Some, Funeral Date, Damien Dunn, and many more artists, record labels, and podcasts. Sweet Cheetah. That's a great PR cohort. You can find them on social media by simply searching Sweet Cheetah PR, and they'll be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. Hello, gluttons and gormandizers, and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter. I am still here. And first and foremost, I would like to apologize that this episode has taken as long as it has to get to your ears. Uh, We were on break. We have our Christmas uh, slash um, holiday break, uh, basically, uh, where I spend time with the family and take a little break from this whole spiel. Nonetheless, Ed Hamill of Hamill on Trial has been making music that is prescient, acerbic, and important since 1989. His new album, Bring the Kids, is a testament to his longevity, his strengths as an artist and a social critic, and it adds a little bit of romance. A little love in the mix goes a long way. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it and having this discussion. Without further ado, I bring to you Ed Hamill, Hamill on Trial, on the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Hey, how you doing? I'm well. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. Uh, It just so happens that uh, on the 23rd, which is, you know, not too far from now, it will be the 21st anniversary since I'd seen you at the Beacon uh, with Ani DeFranco. Oh, okay. Uh, Incredible show. Well done. Um, This record, Bring the Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's not like, I don't want to say it sounds like Tom Waits, but there's a kinship there that that, uh, maybe didn't really exist, I think, quite before. Uh, It's it's not that this is that far out of your wheelhouse, um, but... To me, there's there's more defiance in this than any record you have done before. I wonder what uh, account what you would account that to. Well, uh, uh, define defiance. 
um, political well, the, or personal? It, it to me almost more personal, even though there are political leanings in it. I mean, you're attacking, you know, the hypocrisy of Christianity, uh, your uh, patriarchy, uh, things that just via listening and knowing your music and it's and business as usual. <laughs> it's, it, it, it is kind of business as usual, but to me, it seems even more uh, virulent than before. Oh, well, well, good, I guess. Good. You know, I, 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 think are, the, I would venture to, if any, if there's any, if that's the case, and, uh, you know, I'll take you, that's your interpretation. I, the times maybe dictate, I think it's been a really, really tough six or seven years between the Trump administration and the pandemic immediately following it. And I, you know, it would be difficult for me to say that that wasn't, that had to affect, I I know. Yeah, that's good. Good call. Perceptive on your part. I hadn't really thought about it, but unquestionably, um, it seems darker than that. It did, uh, seems a little brighter these days, frankly, but there was a period there, particularly during the Trump administration. And around that January 6th thing, and then the response to the January 6th thing, and there's school shootings every day, you know, <laughs> and then we had a plague. I would venture to say, you know, it's odd, though, because I would think, you're probably right, lyrical content. The stuff that I listen to now, because things are potentially so dark and you don't want to go down that rabbit hole, is kind of like up pop music. Only... Because I need something sort of candy-ish to fucking like cheer my ass up, you know. Sure, you got you got a little bit of sugar to help that medicine go down. Makes perfect sense. A lot but, of sugar these days, but yeah, sugar. yeah. Especially considering uh, what's going on in in Palestine with Israel. I mean, it's just to me, it seems like we're on this constant cycle where like things get good for like maybe six months, and then the next horrific, tragic thing occurs. Uh, it, it it's really distressing for me because I'm 47 and I just had a child four years uh, ago. So that's I was, good. It is. That's but good. I, because we need we need you to breathe. I mean, we you know that's the thing. It made a, you got to bring kids into the world because the kids. I I'm very optimistic about Gen Z. I I, I, I love them. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, no, good for you. And you know, I mean. Here's the thing. If you just, I can't see you anymore. If that makes a difference, I only see the book oh. and very, very bad things. But that it doesn't matter. I'll fix really. that. Yeah, but um, you know, the, you can. I mean, Bill Hicks had a shtick about that. You know, you watch the news and there's bombs, and then you walk outside and there's people. Hello, and there's crickets. You know, and and. Uh, it's that way a lot. I, I find sometimes you got to be careful that you're not too insular because if you're like looking at your phone all the time, and I, that, that, and I look at my phone a lot. There's a lot of things you can learn. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. But but it's I've been going out late because I was been working on all these projects, and so I've been at home a bunch, and I've had a few gigs, and I've seen some people. And when you see people, it's it's you know as long as you're not at the Trump rally, I mean, you, you're, you know. <laughs> It'll cheer you up, you know. I mean, it's it, people are at least seemingly one on one. I think they're a lot more, you know. On Facebook, everybody gets an app, or you know, social media, they get a chance to be mean or something like, you know. They, yeah. I've been, and and it's that sad, and and you know, probably revealing and honest, but but um, so maybe they're they're showing. But I don't know. I mean, I go the gigs that I go to, 
you know, they're similar people, obviously. And so there's a lot of smiling and there's no one, you know, acting in a fascist way. Which, yeah, you know, uh, you are the company you keep, I suppose. But I think this is also very telling of the name of the record, Bring the Kids. I mean, yeah. to me. Well, originally, the original name of it was Every Song Can End in Bloodshed, Bring the Kids. <laughs> That's true. We shortened it to Bring the Kids. But I felt, you know, because sonically, like, I, I maybe added to, like, I like Tom Waits, you know, mm -hmm. I do. But I have a lot of respect. I don't listen to him much these days, but there was a period where I did a lot, and yeah. I have a lot of respect for him, and great songwriter, great thing. He's got the vibe, is great. The acting is great. However, I felt, I've never felt a conic, sonic kinship with him, you know? No. And in this particular um, album, I, you know, the things I was listening to, frankly, were more the productions of like, I don't know, Justin Bieber, or I mean, I really, I mean, that's the, any of that drill stuff now, like uh, Ice Spice or Central Sea, you, you could put that in, in uh playlist with Lou Reed and it, it really, because it's so street and so urban, it really fits in nice, you know? So, Absolutely. I mean, sonically, I like that minimalism and the big bass and the whole thing. So, that's who I feel. But, I mean, you know, I mean, Waits was always kind of uh, forceful, I guess, aggressive in his yeah. thing. So, I share that with him, I guess, you know. And and the I fact... Just, things are dark. I mean, it was really... When I was writing, and then I was going... You know, there's a lot of heartbreak on the record, too. So between the heartbreak of real, realizing that your fellow citizens are Nazis... Yeah. Or, you know, millions and millions of them are, and then going through a personal thing, I guess it's... You know, I don't know. The cover's neon. I didn't think it was that dark. No, but what, what I'm... What I'm sensing, I guess, uh, being that we're both men of kind of a certain age, we're not anywhere near Gen Z, uh, being Gen Xers, there's uh, a malaise, I guess you can call it, that comes along with that because we remember a time uh, where things were actually much worse when we were, you know, teenagers. Uh, the world had not yet become, uh, as people call it, woke, I call it, you know, just finally becoming human but um, yeah yeah you know this is what we what we were fighting for in the 80s and 90s is what gen z is living now yeah, and yeah. i love it and i appreciate it wholeheartedly but i i think also there's a a sense of knowing that we can always slide right back to where we came from and that freaks that freaks me out and i think that's probably an aspect of the darkness i'm talking about because you know we're from that original like punk rock school of you know we're railing against things that were tangible and 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 you know they're right in front of us uh yeah. the enemy was always at our door yeah nasty punk, punk off yeah yeah i think i think i had sort of a an epiphany like a crystallizing moment of what you know because my dad was jewish you know and and my grandparents were from uh, Budapest, Hungary, and they fled Hungary because of Nazis. They would have gone to the to the ovens, you know. Yeah, my family. So was. And I've always, you know, I've looked at Germany. I've I've played Germany. I've toured Germany, and but but with a with a skepticism. I'm, you know, let me finish this before you know. But I used to think, what a bunch of idiots that they could fall for this this you know rhetoric from this uh, you know white supremacist and. 
um, and and there was genocide and you know whatever, and then the realization that it could happen anywhere and here specifically was incredibly disheartening. And I remember because I tour the world and I and I'm a writer and I ask people, you know, if you if you're in a taxi or at the airport and somebody's working and you just say, hey, dude, how many hours you work today? The minute they know you're sort of sympathetic to to, you know, like 12 and how many days this week? Well, I haven't had a day off in 21 days, which is typically the conversation. Yeah. And then, you know, will you use your boss cool or ready to see your wife? They'll give you the whole story. So a few years ago, and this had to be during the Trump administration, but prior to the pandemic, I'm in an airport and I got every time you get up to get a, anything, water or whatever, you got to take everything with you. And it must have been winter. And I had my hat and I had my hoodie and I had my coat and I had my guitar and I had another bag. And across from me is an elderly couple, and, and she's in a wheelchair, and he's got the red hat, but it's not the Trump hat. It's just a red hat. He's got the flannel, and, he, you know, and he's, I'm going to say, 80-ish, her as well. And he's cool with her. Like, he's kind of loving, and you can tell he's taking care of her. And I'm just kind of watching the thing and that. So I get up to leave, and then about, I don't know, 10 paces tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, I must have dropped my hat. And there's the old timer, and he gives me the hat. And I look at him, and I look at her, and I kind of give him the, you know, hey, right on, dude. You know, can't be easy, and God bless you kind of vibe, you know. And then off I go. Now, here is the difference between prior to Trump and Trump. Prior to Trump, I would say, dad, it's a good guy. Like I saw over there, he's trying to put food on the table. He's trying to take care of her. He's a good man. Now I leave and go. He could be. A good guy but i have to ask him some questions in some things anybody out there that differs with me politically would say well you don't like other people look anybody that shares white supremacist ideologies and anybody who voted for trump the second time does yeah then it, it, it there's some things that are black and white that are not nuanced that are not gray area and that's one of them at this point and it became and i used to think and i realized how naively how naive this is going to sound for you know at the time i was in my late 50s my early 60s to think well you know when obama was president i because i was so with the during the bush administration i was like a crazy person i was reading shit all the time i thinking you're never get any worse than this you know and uh again naive yeah. uh, naive but then, but then when Obama was elected, I didn't know how ridiculous this was going to sound to you. But because of, you know, you hang around with like-minded people. Um, I thought, well, maybe, uh, you know, if we're, what are we, a nation of 350 million people? Maybe there's a half a million people that are racist. Boy, was I wrong. And now I used to think, well, you know, good is the prevalent whatever. And it's probably 80% people are good, 20%. Well, now I think it's 49, 51%, and it fluctuates on any given day. Yeah. And, and pockets of evil like Germany or, or Africa or, you know, it, when it happens, when genocide happens, it's just this, this you know, the state, I mean, I, you know, whatever, the, the, some kind of evil just falls on a place and you, you, you fall prey to it, you know. And I and, think that's rooted in fear. I really do think that there's a, a very large element of fear. Absolutely. That, because what else would account Absolutely. for it? I, 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 I've tried to, you for know. Both, both sides 
you know, that's the, I've stopped. I mean, I used to, it was democracy now every morning and, yeah. you know, and I always admired the tenacity and the against, you know, pushing the rock up the hill for justice, you know, I can't anymore because they both do it. You know, they both, that fear thing, you're absolutely right. That's the, you know, Trump says he's got a list of enemies when he's real. And, you know, you got it and then you die, man. You can't not do mm -hmm. it. It's like fucking with a bad tooth, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, you know what? You're right. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, the, the, there has to be a huge element, that variable of, um, I don't know. I mean, at this age, to thank the loss of naivety, but I mean, to a large, to truthfully, you know, it's sad, really. And yeah. I don't want, to, I don't want to be cynical. I don't want to be that guy. I don't like that guy, you know. So that's why I look to Gen Z. I think, you know, bring the kids, bring the kids. And I think that's, you know, again, speaking to uh, that darkness that I'd, I'd inferred into what you, what this album kind of represents. I don't think there's a cynicism to that darkness. It's not right. like someone uh you know doling out piss takings at, at like such and such time in life uh it's not that it's it's not someone being curmudgeonly it's just seeing things at face value and and there's a flip side to that too because you get to a song like jelly where it's just longing for a, a time and a place and a person uh that you wish you could still connect with and and have that repartee with that doesn't exist anymore but you're still it, it, there's almost a hope to that still because I'm still capable of feeling this. And even though that person isn't there anymore, there can be that avatar sometime in your life again. Um, it you, just, uh, you just crystallized my morning. <laughs> yeah, and M O R and M O U R. No, I, you know, it, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, that the, I'll tell you one thing in terms of a muse because I was married for 25 years, you know. And, a wonderful woman we're still great friends now you know but this particular heartbreak yeah i don't know maybe it is you've got me thinking a different way but maybe it is paralleled with uh trump and the pandemic you know and she she's completely she won't get on because she had worked she's from sacramento so and she's a barista she's now the coffee world i don't know if you know anything about the coffee world oh, it's yeah. old, they fly people to peru i mean it's amazing <laughs> but anyway she worked in the capital in Sacramento and Democratic, you know, and she said, they're assholes too. They're arrogant pricks to me too, you know? So she's completely off social media. She, and I, I have no, I mean, she went ghost. I mean, in the truest sense of the word, she went ghost. I would have to go to Sacramento and hire a private investigator <laughs> or release an album with about five songs on it of her and have it a huge hit. And then she'd have to fucking have lunch with me. <laughs> yeah, there's a podcast from there's the real shit on this podcast, whatever the fuck it's about. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, like this is the sort of candor and and you know truth that I think it's kind of sorely lacking in even the best of of what's coming out of the underground musically and of people. You know, you know what? Here's the thing that I that I've wondered the the three biggest um harry styles songs if you go to spotify mm -hmm. one of which has over two billion listens three of them are about eating pussy <laughs> they are and, and to my mind like that seems incredible you know bob dylan once said about last brain the clock show the monkey song because it's really like uh he's going it, subversive it doesn't ever say it in the thing but he's leaving to go to vietnam 
that's what that song's about. And Dylan said, I always admired that song because they got shit in, you know, they got some subversive shit in there to, to get, and the same thing with Harry Styles. There's a bunch of 12 year old girls that are, you know, not realizing what he's fucking talking about when he's talking about watermelon sugar, you know? <laughs> and I think that's pretty punk rock, man. Oh, sure. I don't know that Green Day ever did anything quite that punk rock, frankly. No, probably not. Um, Sadly, in this day and age, the most punk rock thing Green Day have done was resurrect, uh, you know, an MDC lyric and and inject Trump's name into it. Uh, you know what? Actually, uh, the, one of the greatest things, did you ever see their induction to the Rock and Roll Hall thing? Yeah. When the bass player thanks, uh, the, I, what's the guitar player? Billy, Billy Armstrong's mother. Mm -hmm. You see that? And yeah. I, I just, because he was a, like a kid, like that, you know, he was a good looking kid. He plays bass, but anybody could have done it, really. Sure. And Billy Armstrong's mother took him in, took him in as a stray, and they grew, they grew up together as kids. I found that to be, that was pretty cool. That was pretty punk rock. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But uh, I think. And, that, and he also thanked the person that made the O'Connell line van. <laughs> and I thought that was cool, too. Yeah, because I think we, very few musicians, uh, we wouldn't have gotten by without one. Uh, the Econoline van was cheap, and we would all be able to kind of like play a couple of VFW shows and pitch in and buy one, and we can go on tour, and it'd break down, and you have to get a new water pump, but God bless them. Right. <laughs> Take pictures, like get in the van or the Minutemen, right? Oh, Almost absolutely. Kind of darn. But to me, there's that, that spirit, that sort of DIY you know, forging onward in the face of whatever is, it hasn't left your, your oeuvre. It's still there. I yeah. think that, that spirit is still very much alive via what you do. In my opinion, this is very much a punk rock record. I view it as such anyway. Thank you. Good. Thanks. I like hearing that. And I, I, I don't, you know, that wasn't necessarily, I mean, thank you. And that's the, you know, one of the songs is recorded on my phone, but the last two records were recorded on my phone. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, there was ne the thing really, there's some of the things I'm hearing in modern production. It, it isn't like, oh, I should do that because that's what my attitude is. Wow. That's really cool. I'd like to do something and kick their fucking ass. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. And I just read a book. I just finished a book. What was it called? Neon Screams. And it's in it. It's a kid. It's really the origin of UK drill. Uh, Simon, you know Simon Reynolds. The, yeah. The, yeah. So he gives it the introduction, and then and it's you know it's a younger kid who makes an argument that auto tune is not like a wah wah pedal effect. It is the new thing. It is the new way. And old music and new music with Jamaicans, it was the Jamaicans that actually started using autotune. Yep. And when that happened, that was the new era. That's his argument, you know? And when I'm reading that, I'm going, you know what? I know that autotune would piss off a bunch of boomers. I should do it. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing, too. Um, he can crazy punk rock. Are you kidding? That to me, especially especially in hip hop, you're like there's more of a punk rock spirit, like in, in in artists like Denzel Curry and like people like that are really challenging. Kendrick, even, Kendrick, even, Tyler, Ken, unbelievable. Well, Kendrick Lamar is is a poet. He's jazz. He is jazz in the guise of hip hop. I yeah, won't, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's that. Yes, I mean to pimp pimp was that. You know, yeah. yeah. There's always something. 
but it's brilliant. I mean, the productions are brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And Tyler, the creator, too, brilliant. Oh, yeah. And I, and I say to my son all the time, because he got me into a lot of this stuff, I was like, the white boys ain't bringing it, you know? It's sadly true. And it's the same with my daughter's in her um, early 20s. Same thing. She she brings me so much of this stuff and keeps me abreast of, of what is actually happening out there because I'm not necessarily digging for this sort of thing. I'm kind of, I have a cutoff point, I think, uh, largely because of my age. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, for me, it's a very much a, the production thing really intrigues me, you know, lyrically. You know, the only thing lyrically that I get a kick out of, I mean, there's some that are great. Lot, you know, Lotto by any chance? I yeah. mean, I, he's hysterical. And I, it's very kind of fat waller almost. And if you're looking at it, you know, she's, she's always talking about somebody eating her pussy, you know? Yeah. But, but she does it in hysterical ways. And, uh, you know, you think to yourself, it's amazing that there's even an FCC. I mean, so, some of these songs are, they're, you know, overt uh, uh, language and whatnot. Oh, they've gotten almost a billion listens. And I'm thinking, well, the radio station ad, you know, don't, don't swear. Are you kidding? Kids don't give a fuck about that anymore. No. You know? I, and I think, think I, the Puritans, the Puritans are losing. And I think when you were talking about fear earlier, the blowback from the white male thing, particularly, or, you know, white women as well, is that, you know, like it would be the erosion of the Puritan thing, you know? It, John Waters is a funny thing. He says, I'm glad I grew up Catholic because sex will always be dirty. And I can really, I understand that, you know? Nonetheless, I get that found him there is not a bad thing. No, I mean, I, it, it all, the thing is, things like shame uh, in, in your kink, I don't know if that really exists for these kids now, but they have their own things now. I think they're really, they're, this is a renaissance of sexuality for these young people and, and they're unfettered by social mores. And I applaud that. I think that's phenomenal. I saw, do you know who Doug Stanhope is the comedian? The comedian. Absolutely. I, I saw him in his opener. One of his jokes was, I know you kids think that eating ass is a new thing. We've been doing it for years. We just weren't filming it. Yes. <laughs> and even like the people like openly uh, being trans now, uh, I know everyone thinks this is new and all the pearl clutchers are like, oh, it's a, you know, I don't want this around my kids, blah, blah, blah. I was friends with a person who was trans 30 years ago, 30 years ago. It's not like this just came out. It's not like it's a new thing. It's just now these people are not afraid to live out loud. And that freaks the fuck out of the squares. And well, I think Plus the, the argument, dude, I never, you know, every pedophile that I've ever heard of is some white guy. Well, you know, yeah. But yeah, you know, just what are the figures, you know, Jesus. And they're the ones bemoaning uh, all of this too, which is really fascinating to me. Like that demographic, although I, well, I they, they talk with it. Mike Johnson now is the is speaker, and I'm and everybody's whatever. They keep doubling down. I mean, every election, they, they, they keep doubling down on this uh, hardcore right wing shit, and it's not working. I mean, they're losing. You know, yeah, keep doing it. You get as many fucking nutbags up there as you want. It just keeps you keep shooting yourself in the foot. That I find that to be you can, you know, they can give me fearful shit all day long, but the the voting is, you know, the, 
they don't want you. The Kentucky stayed blue. It's unbelievable, really. Ohio did shit. Fuck them all, you know. <laughs> I just can't believe right. get, how they get votes at all. That's the thing that, uh, to me, I, I have a very dark view on this. And it's, you know, these people who are clinging to life well into their 90s, living solely on, on hubris and hate. Like, yes. I'm, that, and that's what it is. Someone just like like precariously clinging to a life that they really despise just because they hate everyone younger than them living freely. It, it, it boggles the mind. I can't even. I have a friend and he, you know, and he, we, we share political exactly. He gets really, really worked up, but he's telling me, you know, look at Trump and cause he's a health nut, my friend. And, you know, look at Trump and how unhealthy he is and he won't last in a, He's wrong. I, I don't. I said, Dave, he's going to live till he's 95, 96. They, they all do. They claim there's transplants. There's, you know, all kinds of shit. Trump will live. He will. He'll probably. I don't know. I, I had a friend, a Washington insider, come to my house, and he predicted everything so far. He predicted, and this is a guy who's a publicist for a senator, and he told me he's going to flee to Russia. That's what he said. And I was like, you're out of your mind. He goes. You wait and see. And so far, he has been right about everything. So, so maybe we should all start uh, wearing red and <laughs> moving to Russia. But I, I think, you know, throughout the having listened to this record front to back probably a dozen times since I've gotten the uh, the digital version of it. Thanks, man. I, I think there's. Uh, a through there's like a very obvious through line through the entire thing that tells me that you haven't given up one iota from your first record until now there's legitimately no oh, i've never worked harder in my life <laughs> now i worked three times and i brought up a kid and i still I, you know i shared responsibility with my wife but in 50 50 and, and whatever you know that's a lot of work but no nothing compared and I really get to focus on it all the time and it's cool and I can tell you put you know eight to ten hours in it a day and you can see the results it's cool you know so that, and I did really didn't have that I couldn't do that before so so what is it that still <clears throat> turns you on like that still like makes you want to get up mortality <laughs> immortality I said. oh okay uh, immortality no that's an inspect and the rents do so those are very um what turns me i mean art art of any anything that's like particularly when something subversive hits the mainstream like nirvana or south park are two that come to mind like how the hell did that happen you know i get a big zing out of that i mean even some of that the, the hip-hop stuff that i'm listening to now it's like how you know because the pop stuff you get it i mean okay i can understand how why that worked you know yeah. but some of the like the drill shit it's like really like this, this is you know my son will turn me on like i don't it initially like i won't hear it and i don't hear a hook and i don't understand and then after like a but it's their world it's their it's their world, you know, I don't, and I'm, I'm a visitor to their world, but getting the thing out of what I'm seeing, you know, so I find that very in, inspiring. There, there's just a lot of, you know, what's Banksy up to and, you know, sure. You go, I mean, you go to YouTube and, and think, you know, well, I don't really know that much about Ai Weiwei. And then two hours later, you're like, oh shit, you know, like it, it's amazing really what, what 
you have in your pocket. The library, I've always been a fan of libraries and it's, you know, it's kind of a library, very much a library, research center for sure. You know? And think about what we had to go through in order to obtain the music that we were into back in the day. Um, I certainly didn't have n even Napster, which to these kids, they, they don't even really remember. They don't remember that. You know, you know what I mean? But that, that was Napster happened when I was like already 30. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Before that, it was mail order catalogs and maybe, maybe walking into an independent record store and finding one cool enough to stock the things that I was into. Yeah. You know, and, and like, and like, it was fun. I mean, that was a real treasure hunt vibe, you know, use record stores and whatever. But it's, there is a little bit of that. I mean, there was always the big stuff, and the big stuff could be cool, you know, like the Who and the Stones or whatever. And then even the punk stuff. But then you had to dig deeper. Yeah. You know, you were gonna see the Sex Pistols or the Buzzcocks, but some of that other stuff. In some respects, it's the same as it ever was. But then in other respects. The banquet table has gotten infinitely more lush. But uh, there's a positive to that. That being, yeah. uh, you know, someone can find you so much more simply than when you'd first hit the scene. Um, you know, like I found you because I was an Ani DeFranco fan. You came out on Righteous Babe Records. I was like, well, she doesn't really put out too many people, so this has got to be good. And I was absolutely fucking right. But. <laughs> You, you know, like, you were in good company, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But there was something that caught through that, that, like, I still hung on after that association. You know, there's a, there's a lot of artists that make a record or two, and, and I, I dug it, and it had its time, and that time goes away. You seem to be ubiquitous. You always crop up kind of when I need you. And oh, I, I, you. I know, I, I, I mean... Back to the question, what turned you on? You know, you like right now the the campaign is very large for the. I mean, larger than I've ever been accustomed to, and it's all new territory for me. A lot of this social media stuff, you know. And sometimes you put stuff out, and it's you know you have put a lot of work into it, and had a lot of love, and you're really proud of it, and it goes out, and it doesn't really do what you it hit hope, frankly. And, but, but, you know, but the, I mean, then you go, well, you know, that was great. I take something greater. I mean, you have to think that way. You have to top yourself, you know, and then you might hear something or a few things or read something or, or whatever. And it inspires, you know, I know how I can top the last thing. I think, you know, Patty Smith said one time, just put out a good body of work, just put out a good body of work. And that's always been the case. It's never been, I, you know, I've been lucky in that I, mean, I can you can rationalize that but i mean i didn't have a a, a, a large audience that you know because some of these people think about that. i mean it's not until you see that world um if you're an artist and maybe you have 11 people you got you know five people working for you in an office and they've been working for you for 15 years so now they got kids and those kids they're thinking about college and so you're responsible to those people and then you got x amount of people with you on the road and you know if you want to take a you you know what i'm gonna put out a, an album with bagpipes you know <laughs> 
and and everybody around you was like well yeah that could be but if it doesn't sell what the fuck happens to me you know so so i mean i've been lucky in that uh, with the exception of putting food on the table for me and my son <laughs> i haven't been responsible to anybody else so i've had in many respects the luxury of being able to say you know what i feel like taking a left-hand turn radically and spending a bunch of money and if i run it up the pole and if it don't fly only one that suffers is me i'm on trial okay and uh, that's quite possibly the most honest kind of place you could come from as far as releasing something into the world and and you know you're you're not making yourself beholden to anyone but me you and and yeah, you know, just, I mean, it is a small business. It always has been. I'm a DIY, I'm a small business owner who, but, you know, I, I'm the only one that would suffer if it tanks, you know, and so far, I mean, so far, it's so good. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, it's, it's not like every human being I've ever met knows your name but the people who do are massive fans it's not like fair you don't have fair weather fans it's wonderful it's beautiful really it's, it's the truth though you don't have i don't I, I don't know anybody who's lukewarm on you it's either like i know i love him or i never heard of him and and then that, well they don't get it they don't get it i mean that that and and you know what i understand it i it would be i do like i if you at least see it and then you can determine because I know were you to say to me the the pitch is okay he's a guy he's in his sixties you know he's bald and he's going to tell the audience to fuck off you'll <laughs> love it you know you know so I wouldn't go either it's a tough sell and and I know if it you know if it hit the crest and then started you know smooth sailing and whatever and everybody would say well it's easy the guy tells jokes and he's got you know he's a pretty snappy guitar player or whatever you know he writes these songs it's a you know no it's been very difficult it's so idiosyncratic it squeeze general if you will that it's 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 been tough you know it's a call me i had to throw that out there <laughs> <laughs> but you never pander and the, and and that's i think the price yeah, point the audience you respect yeah. that. You know, and, and even ones that would be on the fence, kind of. You know what? I'm not going to play lowest common denominator. And, and some will go, oh, cool, right. I'm going to raise it up a little bit. You know, I, I saw Bill Hicks once. It was fucking amazing. It was amazing. I saw him in, in 93, maybe 92, when I first moved to Austin. And it was a, it was, that was a very inspiring, in, inspiring show. And and he same. I mean, there might have been five or six that were really picked. It was the Iraq War, you know. And and my wife at the time, she was crying. She was so cathartic for her. It was it was an astonishing show. That was I had never really seen anything quite like that. You know, It'd be like seeing Lenny Bruce or Richard Pryor in in a in a younger time. You know. Well, you're talking about someone who who uh, like Lenny Bruce, like Carlin, like Richard Pryor, brought something so personal. And artistic to that milieu, which yeah. stand-up comedy, that they actually elevated it and made it into uh, a different art form all, all over again. He, uh, he particularly, you know, it's funny. He could. I'm not good at. I, I should have taken like a, a, a what do they call it? A debate class or something. Because because when I went, he one thing I would say about Bill Hicks. 
because Carlin, who I also have a lot of respect for, was a, was a writer. To a, I mean, he, he, you know, there was a guy who could write a new show in a year. I mean, that's amazing, really, to get two new minutes in, in ten minutes for a year is tough. He would do the thing, so he was right. But but Hicks was incredibly articulate in his rage, whereas I start, I I can't, you know, I can't think, and I don't, I I, I have to do it prior, but I could tell that he was brilliant, really, really smart. And his rage would manifest itself in a way that he could lean back and kind of make a few jokes and then he'd spin in and do the hit the thing. And you know, I I I I think his influence is more seen in my songwriting than it is my narrative. You know. But anyway, huge influence. Huge. Well yeah, as a matter of fact, that's a, a pretty good comparison to draw with Hicks to comedy and you to music because you're not coming from a place of just, I'm just a, you know, guitarist slash protest songwriter, or I'm a political this, or I'm a punk rock that, or I'm this, or I'm that. There's no uh, preconceived notions attached or pre-prescribed uh, uh, modes that you prescribe to your music specifically. It's just the, the only thing you can pretty much count on is it's going to be made by you. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That, that's right. fucking yeah. heavy. That's very heavy, man. Well, yeah, but I don't really. The thing is, I have like guitar playing. Like, use that specifically, and you know, like YouTube videos now. I mean, I'd be very curious to see. You, know, you talk about Gen Z, boy, they have these, you know, free tutorials on any subject. Could be editing, cinematic, or you know, whatever. And uh, so, I think you're going to see some really great stuff yeah i'm already seeing it because metal guitar which you know i have respect for that as well but was kind of like you know now you see this whole neo soul thing happen and these kids are learning jazz chords and it's it's kind of amazing um i'm not that great a guitar player i developed a style specific to what i can do you know but if it came to if you said hey sit in with the band and let's do some West Montgomery, I'd be completely lost. But I, I, you know, everything has been, you know, there was a period, I don't know, I was in a band up until, what, 86, 87, and then it became apparent that I just couldn't uh, uh, be dragging them. You, the, the parrot in front of the horse no longer worked, you know, and they were getting wives or girlfriends or, or jobs or whatever, and how do I do what I was doing with them, kind of, by myself and then i would you know we'd all show up on time we'd all be sober we'd all agree on the material eureka and i think that's to find that alchemy any small yeah. business owner in order to survive i mean because my ex-wife used she thought this was too self-effacing but i would say well i'm kind of a brush salesman you know when i got signed to a major when i got signed to uh, mercury universal yeah then there was a lot of places that opened up for me that that prior to that they were like what is this you know and that that gave it great credibility validity you know and um any small business owner when they saw the chain i don't know it could be an i don't know how these things work independent bookstore could be a coffee shop whatever when when you know recording studios that i would know when it went to pro tools you better learn pro tools or your studio is going to go down so I, I just you know i paint only because in 2007, you could be on tour with Ami, and after the show, you'd sell 150 CDs. 
2008, you'd be lucky if you sold five. I mean, it really was that radical. And I began painting, you know, that was a small business owner going to fucking the water. Holy Jesus, you know, what do I do? I'll paint. They were, I put the names of them. You can see them behind me here. The names are on them because I, when I first started doing it, it looked like nothing like the people. That's Joe Strummer. He's got a leather coat and a jacket. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, 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 but really, I swear to God, you give a monkey, a, they're gotten better because you give a monkey a typewriter, eventually come up with a word, you know? Yeah. But I, I, that, I, I like that you brought up Joe Strummer, too. I mean, there's, you know, one of his great albums with the Mescal Arrows, but when I was meditating on your music, uh, Tom Waits came up just in spirit. Joe Strummer came up on at least three different fronts. Uh, when I in, loved him. I was, I mean, oh my God, I loved him, you know. I right. remember the song specifically Garage Land. I remember just when I heard it. It was funny too, because I was with someone, it was a young kid, and um, we were at somebody else's house, and he was a guitar player. And this could have, what, what year would this have been? 75, six? Anyway, um, I was curious, and we played Electric Lady Man. I was like, I was curious how he would respond to Hendrix, and he loved it. And, I, and he said, well, check this, um, this album out. This is the first class album. And I'm like, okay, so we put it on, and I'm listening to it, and it got to Garage Land, and I'm reading the lyrics, and I'm like, I love this guy. It was like a, a it was a major you know, change from Hendrix to Strummer at oddly enough. But. My first concert was the Clash opening up for the Who at Shea Stadium. Ah, uh, so that was set, Terry Times on drums. Yeah, but yeah. it's it set the course of my entire. God, and then what was life. the response to? I, I've seen the video. I know the video. I mean, Strummer has the mohawk, and the, yeah. they, they came in in the car. Actually, what? Um, what was the response from the crowd towards them? Half the people were going absolutely batshit crazy for them. The okay. other half, the other half were like, like my father and my uncle, quizzically apprising this spectacle they're beholding. Because although they're there to see what is inarguably the proto-punk fucking band, the yeah. Who, yeah. seeing their direct lineage. Yeah. occur right before their eyes after having witnessed Bo Diddley fucking go absolutely batshit on the stage. Uh, uh, oh, so hold on. Bo Diddley was first? Yeah. Oh, okay. He was the uh, opener opener. He was the opener opener. How did he sound? Fuck Great. Okay. So the sound, was the sound was really good. Oh, the sound, uh, it cut right through. Okay. Um, Shea Stadium was, it, it wasn't meant for concerts, period. It was not meant for concerts. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. But my God. Uh, I've never um, been there. I don't know it, you know. But to be as young as I was, I was born in 76, so I'm not even 10 years old yet. And and well, this, this is my first concert. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe via, you know, the scope of my memory, it was larger and more grandiose. Yeah. Than it actually was. Yeah, but yeah. To, to my memory, to my ears, to my opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. A fucking revelation, man. Yeah, All yeah, of yeah. It. And that, that, right. I was always, right. And the, and the clap sounded good, too, too. Good. You know, because a lot of times in those big situations, the punk bands really got short 
I'm glad to hear that. I, I see the video, but I never trusted the video. I'm like, I don't know if this is really how this went down. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much the way it went down. And okay, people, good, good. good to people hear. up front were going, like I, we were a bit back. We weren't like in the nosebleeds. Yeah, but we were a bit back. Uh, my uncle was in the music industry. That's how kind of we got there. Yeah, but my God, to just e even the response to the Who was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were. Well, that you would, you're right. That you would expect, but you know. But I, you see, know, I saw the Who. The Who were my second concert ever. I met Keith Moon. I was 14 years old, but I. I saw Keith Moon. He it was funny too because I the Who are my favorite band. So now I'm in like ninth grade or something, and uh, and they were great. And I and Hendrix was my third. I saw Hendrix, and that was my third show. He was great. He didn't sound that great. The Who sounded fucking great because they really even when they were on those big stages, they played like a little band, like a, almost yeah. like a jazz combo. You know, they played together. And they, it was at the Syracuse War Memorial. There might have been 3,000, 4,000 people, I think. And um, and they were astonishing. They really, really were. And then afterwards, um, I waited by the door, of course. And Daltrey came out and Amos came out. And I got the ride guys with Keith Moon. And he came out, he had a fur coat on, and two of the most beautiful groupie women that I had ever seen in my life. And he was couldn't have been any sweeter. And there was some guy next to me who kept calling him mr moon mr moon great show mr moon can i have your autograph and this guy was taller and cooler and had long hair i didn't i was short my parents wouldn't let me grow my hair and then so he said and, and keith moon said to him it's keith maybe and so, okay so it gets to me and i said can i have your autograph Keith? and he said sure uh it's but it's mr moon to you and, and I, I thought this guy's my hero you know he was just he was so great you know now that I, I was going to ask you what your alpha moment uh in in what drove you to become a musician what would that be i think that you probably you pretty much summed it up right there yeah there's the beatles on that song it was i saw the beatles on that song when i was 10. so and that was pretty that was you knew who your friends were after that no, i can imagine <laughs> you know anybody with beetle boots was your was your friend you know hair over their collar it was a, it was yeah, there's no one can be you can go through the michael jackson thing and you can go through a lot of whatever but no one could describe beatlemania it was pretty weird it was pretty wild you know kennedy had been i mean it's sociologically six months prior kennedy had been shot the the country was in mourning everything was in black and white and they came over here went to technicolor it really happened like that. i can't even imagine getting to witness that that amount of of socioeconomic fallout and 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 cultural upheaval all happening in that brief period of time and that obviously shaped who you are and and, and the music you bring yeah. to the world too i mean i i don't i'm not one of those like boomers drive me nuts <laughs> and i'm not one of those that is nostalgic for the 60s for instance you know as right. a matter of fact for many many years i you know because I would, you know, I had like I probably had a Jefferson Airplane album and a, and a Country Joe and the Fish. There was that. Well, then what's wrong with that? Oh, hippie thing that I sort of looked to. But I then when the punk rock thing came in, you know, that was you know, long hair and bell bottoms were out. It's only recently that I've go, actually gone back and go. But every decade, you know, the eighties had 
Speaking of Tom Waits, they had three in a row that were amazing. Lou Reed had three in a row that were amazing. You had the New York placements. You had Minutemen. You had all that SST stuff, you know. So every decade has been, you know. Then, you know, grunge. You know, grunge was you. It was fucking the 90s, you know. Yeah, that was my... my... That's great shit. It really, really does. The 60s was... I know. The, from the difference between the 50s and the 60s, probably more radical than any other decade. Any other decade. I guess. I don't know. I don't have the statistic. I, don't be fact-checking me. Fuckers. No, but if you were to ask me what decade had the biggest impact on me as a musician, as a music lover, it, it has to be that era, the 60s. Because Really? Yeah, because my parents, man. I'm I'm the son of a Vietnam veteran and a hippie. My mom was at Woodstock. My dad was in fucking Da Nang. So there, I had that uh, connection to it, even though it wasn't my era. You know, having been born in 1976, if I do. You put, if you put a piece of music on now, yeah, an album that you go back to, you almost need to go back through it periodically. Could even be ten years. It's you just, and of course, not unlike reading. I don't know. Grapes of Wrath and Every age you're older and you're more whatever, it, it's more profound. What would that piece of music be that you that you go back to? Exile on Main Street. Oh wow, okay. The the yeah. first Doors record. Yeah. The, oh. the the first Clash record. Yeah. And uh, uh, ten years after. Elvin Lee. Yeah. Okay. I opened up Elvin Lee on my band once. No shit. Yeah. The, yeah. there, there's some, there's something about what Cripplewood Green. Yeah. To me, like, but I dude, have, I haven't listened to Cripplewood Green. I'm gonna, I'm not kidding. I bet you in almost fifty years. I, I'm, I'm a, a kind of a man out of time in a way, though, because I, I connected so much with my parents' music when I was very young. I mean, uh, another one that I return to constantly is T Rex the Slider. Mark oh. Bo- Mark Bolin is my <laughs> hero. Yeah. Oh yeah, but that the Bolin stuff holds up really well, I think. Yeah. 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 How about for you? What 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 are the uh, like preeminent albums that you constantly kind of reassess and and then they resonate with you like that? There's uh you know all I mean kind of everybody that you just said you know I mean I could but that isn't. Oddly enough, there's a <laughs> new sensations by Lou Reed. I don't really know why, but I love that. It's him getting sober, and yeah. and I love it. it. There's something about that record that I play quite a bit. I mean, all the classics, obviously, the you know Miles Davis or whatever. But it, but it's an unusual one. Could Johnny Cash live in Folsom Prison? Oh, sure. That more than any other thing. You know, Amy Winehouse back to black. I listen to that album a lot. That's now you're talking someone who was a, a person out of time. And why now? She, she could have existed oh, well, 30, thirty years before. A radical thing to say, but she, I, out of all of them, Dinah Washington, Sarah Vaughan, all of them, she could have had the best pipes. Really, yeah. I mean, I, there's people I love. Billie Holiday, I love her. Nita Simone, I love her. But fucking Amy Winehouse was a motherfucker, man. I watch a lot of live videos of her. And she was, her control was fucking amazing. Even when she got high. Oh yeah, but the, like you could say that for Billie Holiday too. Even when she got high, yeah. It, it, well, and it just had, so happens, you know, she had that lazy thing, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. 
and and whatever. But I mean, Amy Winehouse's pipes were eh, astonishing, you know, and effortless, and effortless, very much so. Because so. I, you know, what I'm not a big Ella fan, and and when she scats, I respect it. I think it's amazing. When I thought Amy, when she scats. It's a whole other thing. She was more street than any. Oddly weird to say about all these African American women, but Amy was pretty street, man. I, I had friends that that you know, like played because she would hang around Camden and she was always playing pool, you know. And she was kind of a big star. And she would like hung. She a buddy of mine is like she was fucking hungover. She kicked my ass, you know. <laughs> she and Quincy Jones has got a because she had come up to him when she was like a, you know just starting out and she was all familiar with these like Dinah Washington records that he had made but she, he was very impressed he goes she did a great show and then she jumped in the audience and kicked some girl's ass <laughs> which is very punk rock <laughs> so if we were to kind of distill what you were trying to say with 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 bring the kids what what do you what would you kind of like to the uninitiated how would you present this to them what would be the the short sell since you're a brush salesman you're gonna love it uh, you'll <laughs> laugh you'll cry you'll kiss 20 bucks goodbye um you know <clears throat> i don't know i mean this is a weird thing to say it's awfully good you know and, and i and i listen and there's stuff that coming out that i think is amazing and there's a lot, a lot of stuff that's coming out that isn't. And and I think, you know, I don't know. It's like a, it's 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 rich and it will last. And you know, take a dive into it. There's something for everybody. It's kind, of, you know, it's kind of like a Billy Eilish record. Well, as a matter of fact, if if I were to make that same short sale, and I've actually made it twice so far uh, this week. This That's what I, you know, God bless you. And I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because it's, it's become apparent to me that you, and you got to do it. You got to do the push and you got to do the thing, but you know, there's 9 billion people. And I interrupted you and I want to hear what you got to say. There's 9 billion people that are recording shit in their bedroom. You know, the, the competition is fierce. It is, I mean, it just, is. you know, to be heard. So I appreciate what you're saying here, and it's word of mouth that's really going to help this thing ultimately. So what what would be the pitch that you would give? If you're, I legitimately what I said to the two people that I've spoken to about it thus far. You know, if if you love the Ramones, if you love uh, anything from like bebop to hip hop to everything, anything but metal there is an element in this record sonically that is represented but all under the same ideal and 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 that being yeah. that being anti-establishment that's the metal thing next record <laughs> i am i swear to god i realize because kimya my friend kimya has a metal kimya dawson yeah i love her um yeah she's the best Yes, one of the best currently, really. Yeah. And uh, but she's got a metal song. I'm like, why don't I have a metal song? You know. So yeah, I I will address. Thank you. Cool. I mean, I appreciate that. Really. Um, it's that's what's going to help. And people, let's be frank. You got this thing going on. People respect your opinion, so it helps. Thank you. I I thank you because I have a lot of musicians on here. I respect all of them, but I have a limited history with most of them. With you, I have a very long 
history of, of, of fandom. And as much as you didn't know who the fuck I was back then, it's still a part of the same microcosm or the same almost organism. Uh, because it's musician and fan, are, it's a reciprocal thing. I, I, there are kids who were fans of, of my music 20 years ago that, you know, they're in bands now that are big and, and I appreciate them. And like, I was always kind to them and they've brought that up to me. That's why they come on the podcast now. Uh, you, you know, you were never the type of musician that, that was an elitist, uh, very much the opposite of that. And that was never lost on me. And I've always gone to bat for you. And well, I, again, we could rationalize, you know, I'm in the trenches with the proletariat. Yeah. And somebody else could say, well, doesn't that mean you're sort of unsuccessful and broke? No, that's no. not. But, you know, when you were talking earlier and you said to your friends, you know, oh, if you like the Ramones, and, you know, there's nothing on it that sounds like maybe pepper spray. Pepper spray. I really yeah. like the Ramones, but, you know, you what you want to be careful of, you know, like I look at a guy like Nick Cave, and I go, now there's an older man who's like, you know, rocking out, if you will, it, with integrity, with dignity, you know, and, and and sometimes I look at, you know, the older punk guys, and they're up there with the electric guitars, and they're trying, and, and it's like this is embarrassing, dude. You know, with your tight pants and your whatever, you're like too old to be doing. Somehow, there's guys, Nick Cave being one of them, that that doesn't look like an asshole when when they're still playing rock and roll. So it's kind of a rock and roll record, but you take a song like you know the way she says, "I love you." you know, has nothing to do with, it has more to do with Tony Bennett right, or Sinatra than it does. Yet, philosophically, to my mind, that has more punk rock integrity than some of the stuff that's being sold to me as punk rock. Now, you know, Jello Biafra, whose last album was very much like a, he did it too. I don't know how he does that. He doesn't, he, but he's able to do it with integrity. I don't, I don't, you know, Intention and attitude. He's fellow doing it. I like seeing it as opposed to, you know, God, this is fucking awful. So he pulled it off. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's a hard, it's a balance. I, you know, it's a balance, I guess. Stay true to yourself. Don't give a shit what anybody else says. I guess that's really. And, and to me, that's obvious because it, it's intention and attitude with everything, like from stem to stern, your entire discography, which I own all of it. It's intention and attitude there's never a misstep as far as like okay this time around i'm gonna talk about like you know like just ridiculous non sequitur bullshit there's always been a, a very serious prescient core to your messaging and and your lyrics be it something as heavy as you know the political climate to something as personal as interpersonal relationships but it's never. You have a favorite song on the album? On this album? Yeah, you're the first person I've ever asked that to. You're, that's a virgin question. Jelly. Oh, cool. Jelly, because as as much as pepper spray really gets that fire and that hardcore punk in me, like I I really there's something about Jelly that I just it it makes me remember, you know, the girl I was with. 28 years ago who you know was this cool riot girl and it's this is the truth i was dating this cool, hot, aren't they hot it's yeah, the best the best and 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 going to see uh we went to see bikini kill together uh oh, look, look. Ding, 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 ding. oh beautiful 
it's my painting shirt, but it's my. <laughs> we went yeah, to see oh, I never saw, you know, I never saw them. I would That's have loved to see them back in the day. She was just electric, but there was this. Yeah, yeah. she's astonishing, really. Yeah. This girl was, she was everything, you know, and I was, you know, 20, <laughs> 28 years ago, I was, I was like, what, 19. Uh, she, this woman was just my, my world and, and yeah. opened me up to so much, even though I was already a punk since forever in yeah, that age anyway. Jelly did for me as well. I learned quite a bit from her, yeah. And when it ended, it, I'm lucky all the women I've been with. It, it, I've learned, you know, as long as you learn to shut up, you can actually learn a lot of shit. Yeah, that that comes only with age, sadly. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. But I guess, kind of in closing, what's your favorite song on the record? Oh, uh, there are my babies. I know. Yeah, I have a friend, a, a pal that's a woman, but I—that's how I said it to her. She got a big kick out of it. They're all my babies. They wouldn't go. You know, the funny thing is, the, the last two records, I mean, I put a lot of work into it, you know? I mean, it, it, you, you always think maybe your third draft will be, no, there's like 23 drafts by the time it gets down. And the, and the last two prior to that were recorded just on my phone. I mean, that's what budget allowed, frankly. Yeah. And, um, but even then, I worked really, really hard. I really love them all. Any day, you know, that song, Robbery, my son's on it. I get yeah. a big thing out of that one. Um, I hit the video for Jelly, who's done by my friend Kyle Cuneo. I do the artwork. He puts it together. But he added all. Did you watch the video for yes. Jelly? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the candy, the hearted candy. That's all his idea, you know. Brilliant. Really brilliant. And I've been watching that a lot. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, again, like fucking with a bad tune. You know, it's horrible. But but I like, you know, Trail Mix, I get a big thing. I mean, I also listen to Ruth Theodore. You know, I you, I saw. I mean, I fantasize. I go, do you think Nazi killer girl gangs could be a hit? I mean, it seems like all the young ladies would, you know, get a big thing. So I like them all. Yeah, there's none of they wouldn't be on there if I didn't. If I didn't like. I I would say at this point, you know, Biggest Life was a big album for me. Chooch Town was a big album for me. Yeah. Uh, songs for parents did, and and but I would venture to say, you know, you know, I but this is my fav my favorite album. Of them all so far, you know. Some news. I rarely go back to my other stuff, but this is my favorite album of yours. Hands down. Hands oh, down. Well, I you have no idea how much I appreciate that. Thank because, you. Because it's everything that all those other like it's the prom, it delivers on the promise of all of them, and you don't skip a mode. You don't skip a mood. It just rolls into every song rolls into one another very very easily and seamlessly, even though they're very different. But you don't forsake any of the uh, children of yore, as it were, with those other records. They're Good. all re represented here, but it's fresh. Good. I'm, gl I'm glad you're perceiving it as such. Thank you. Good. So, uh, kind of like, I, I guess to, to wrap everything up and to put a bow on it, uh, I always ask this question. It's the only question I ask everyone, and it seems moot, but it has its purpose. What is it that terrifies you on an existential level, Ed? Bro, you know, fascist, Nazi. No, I'm serious. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I understand. That's 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 it. Uh, I find that it's scary. <laughs> it's really scary time. It's scary what people are capable of too. I mean, it's really that and and in large numbers and lynch. You know, 
So anything that Trump, you know, person Mussolini, I mean, dictators, white supremacy, you know, big daddy figures, Puritans. I mean, it's all weird. I, you know, I really, after this, I'm going to go smoke a lot of weed and probably going into the covers or some shit. I'm smoking right, <laughs> right now. But you could, yeah, I, I, you've been helpful. You're spiritually helpful. I'm really, you know what? The funny thing is, dude, I'm like, as long as I don't look at the news, I'm in a great mood all the time. My kid's great. I have a lot of wonderful friends, you know. I'm surrounded by art in my place, and I got a cool jo little joint, and it's here in Austin, and the landscaping's beautiful. I mean, I'm really, everything's great until I look at the news, and then I'm like, ah, that's fine, you know. It's like who's producing? Really, you know, just people. What scares you on an existential people? <laughs> <laughs> Keep in touch with me, man. And uh, yeah, good luck, man. I really appreciate. Thank you for really the, listening to the record so much and the intelligent uh, questions and the support. I much appreciate. It. I appreciate you coming on. It's kind of a dream come true for me. And your publicist will back me up on that because I went okay. nuts when he brought it up. I went nuts. So okay. this is phenomenal. Thanks, man. You have uh, a great. Best of luck to you, brother. Best of luck. You too, my friend. Okay. And there you have it, my friends. My discussion with Ed Hamill of Hamill on Trial. I have had so many incredible discussions with artists uh, in this milieu, and uh, this one is no exception. Uh, there's something very, very unique and interesting and special about Ed Hamill that uh, I hope you all got a taste of via this conversation please by all means go out and lend an ear to bring the kids this is his almost olive branch to the next generation uh letting them know hey i'm still here this is what i do and it still matters and believe me it does still matter it's still important it's still beautiful he's been ed hamill i've been peter you've been beautiful and this has been the book of Very, Very Bad Things Podcast. Have a great night, everybody. restaurant you love we had a lot of fun together think of all the things we've weathered when you hid me away yeah you hid me away do your dreams miss me like i miss you how about them schemes do they miss me like i miss you do your tears miss me like i miss you yeah, miss me like I miss you
Yeah, yeah. I made for this shit. <laughs> nice guy. That was cool. Oh, good. Okay. That was cool, huh? I mean, yeah, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, sweet. Well, obviously, I mean, was familiar with the show. Yeah, it's it's so nice to you know get to talk to somebody who uh, knows the stuff. You know. Yeah, I didn't expect Joey to be his. Uh... Yeah, I mean, you kind of don't expect it because you know, it, you know, you'd say, well, maybe he's more, you'd be more into one of the, like the punk rock things or whatever. But like, uh, Joey's a motherfucker of a song, man. I mean, it just is, you know. The Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast is a 3.33 a.m. Productions show. And I hope you dig it. Please tell your friends. Follow me on social media and uh, share with everyone you know, love, and trust. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next week.